It's show 93 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Joe Nezzi of Retrievex and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. I've got to know the team at O'Neill over the years, and what I know is that they are committed to your rim business success. Salespeople, management, technical support, customer service, even the development team, they're all working to support your business success with software and services. You can learn more about them if you're interested at O'Neillsoft.com. So, rumor has it, it's uh, showtime. So, I think based on that, we should get going. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. Let's just end. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me again, and it's the middle of June. Half a year is almost gone. Can you believe it? Oh my. The kids are out of school this week here in San Diego. Others uh, have had kids out of school for a while now, it seems, but all is well. The summer is upon us. If you're other than in uh, North America, where summer is a part of what's happening in your world as you're heading into winter, I hope all is well. As if you're in any of the tropical zones, just enjoy what you've got. That would be great. My trusty scooter is racking up the miles along the historic Pacific Coast Highway. When the weather has turned nicely, life is good. How about you? What's happening in your world? I hope that you are finding success in business. I hope that your year is progressing along as planned or better than planned. And uh, as always, I'm excited that you're here. This week on the show, I'm excited and happy to welcome Joe Nezzi of Retrievex. Joe is the VP of Business Development and is involved in sales management, acquisitions, and a whole lot more for Retrievex. Joe has been in this industry an awful long time, and I know he's got some great perspectives. Uh, just a couple of months ago, Joe did a sales management presentation at Prism in Vegas, and I heard that there was a lot of value in that. So I wanted to chat with him about sales, about himself, his story, and about Retrievex. So we'll do that shortly. But before I get Joe on the line, let's catch you up on the latest industry news. Crown Worldwide is expanding their London, England warehouse facility in Ricelip. Ricelip, that's R-U-I-S-L-I-P. Ricelip, the new facility is 23,000 square feet, reaching a height of 59 feet. Wow, that's pretty tall. Ground suggests this new facility will hold more than 1.1 million cartons. Plus, it'll provide room for more than 700 household storage containers. Oh, congratulations to Crown on that expansion. Another acquisition to announce, A Shred Ahead, based in Durham, North Carolina, continues its rapid expansion. This week, they announced the purchase of the Shredmaster of Plano, Texas. This is Shred Ahead's first acquisition in the Texas marketplace, but based on their track record, I suspect it will not be their last. Congratulations to John Chapman and Tom Hanlon on this acquisition and to Jeanne Herlebos on the sale of her business. 
And this is cool. Nate announced that a company called Destruct Pack has achieved AAA certification for its secure data destruction operations, making them the very first shredding company in Spain to achieve a AAA designation. So congratulations to Amadeo Casanova on this achievement and being the first in Spain to do so. I think the other achievement is Amadeo Casanova has such a cool name. I want it now. Looks like NARA, National Archives and Records Administration, into the U.S. of A. is heading underground. Hunt Midwest Real Estate Development, which is a company based in Kansas City, announced that NARA has signed a lease for 102,000 square feet in Hunt's Subtropolis facility. That's a cool name, Subtropolis. There are options to grow it to almost 400,000 square feet in the lease, but it looks like NARA will consolidate other storage operations into this new underground facility. Finally, Iron Mountain seems to have won a major share of the UK government rim-related business. They are the new preferred supplier under a new initiative called the Document Management Framework. The new Document Storage and Related Services Framework has been created as part of the UK government's pledge to deliver efficient and more effective procurement. Iron Mountain's portfolio services will be available to all central and local governments, the National Health Service, educational institutions, the emergency services, and many other public sector bodies across the UK. So congrats to Iron Mountain on that win. And that's it for the news in RIM this week. If you have news to share, I would love to hear from you so that I can pass it along every week on the show. Right now, I'm going to go get Joe Nezzy on the phone, so why don't you hang tight till I get him. Hang on. Joe Nezzy is the Executive Vice President of Business Development at Retrievex. Joe has been in the RIM business a long time in sales leadership and in business development, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's good to be on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you. For anyone who isn't aware of Retrievex, tell me a little bit more about your company. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Retrievex was formed in October of 2007 as a result of a partnership between Peter Pierce, who was the CEO of Pierce Leahy Archives and a private equity firm, Welsh Carson, Anderson and & Stowe. And our objective was to grow a national footprint. And uh, Welsh Carson was providing uh, funding for us to achieve that objective. So we did our first acquisition in October of 2007 yeah. uh, through the purchase of advanced records management in the Boston area, and since that time, we've completed another 15 acquisitions, and we now have a footprint uh, as far west as Las Vegas, Nevada, and as far south as Orlando, Florida, and we've also recently completed our first international acquisition. Really? Wow. Very cool. So where's the international acquisition? Uh, it's It's in the South American region, and I'm really not at liberty to disclose. Oh, that. no, that's that's fine. I, I'm just very interested because a lot of the companies that are rolling up smaller players haven't necessarily ventured outside of the U.S., so so it mm-hmm. sounds like you're you're making that move. Very cool. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we're very opportunistic where we think there is a good opportunity to get good value on our acquisition dollars and to grow the business. 
So obviously acquisition is a big part of what you're doing now is you said a national footprint. That's the goal. Is that still the goal? Yes, it is still the goal. As I said, you know, right now we're in 13 markets. Yeah. Uh, we're in a very predominant market position in the New England area. Right. Where we've completed uh, probably another four acquisitions since we did the initial platform company acquisition. Right. But for anyone who is listening who isn't aware, the offerings you provide in all of your markets are the full-service RIM offering from hard copy to shredding to scanning and imaging, data protection. It's an entire package, isn't it? Well, it is an entire package. However, our emphasis is not on shredding. To be honest, Tom, we've sort of stayed away from the shredding business. Yeah. Only because it's a very competitive business. Yeah. And as you well know, a lot of the profit for those who offer shredding is derived from the recycled paper. Right. And with the recycled paper market being what it is, we think that's a market that doesn't offer a lot of value internally. As much as it's a part of your service offerings to clients, it's not necessarily a significant part of your overall corporate strategy. That's correct. Right. Yeah, we've, got, we've got large shredding operations through acquisition in uh, our Omaha, Nebraska operation and our Boston, Massachusetts operation. But aside from those two, we really don't do a lot of shredding. Okay. So what interests me is your own story. You've been in this game a long time. So how'd you get into this business? And tell me a little bit about your own path that you followed to get you to where you are today. Okay, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, really started uh, in sales with Xerox in 1971. So I'm starting to hint at my age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and spent about 18 years with Xerox. Uh, wanted to, uh, you know, Probably some entrepreneurial kinds of things. So I left Xerox and ended up being a general manager for a office products company in the Philadelphia area, and spent about three years getting that to the point where the owners felt it was a good time to sell because we had built a lot of value. Yeah. And uh, spent a year in doing some things that I really wasn't excited about, and was approached by a buddy of mine about an opportunity to. Uh, uh, to interview with uh, Pierce Leahy Archives. And frankly, I knew nothing about the records management industry and knew even less about Pierce Leahy. Yeah. Ended up interviewing with Peter and his dad, who was the founder of the company, and was fortunate enough in uh, 1991 to be given the opportunity to join Pierce Leahy. Pierce had completed the Leahy acquisition two years prior. Oh, okay. And had spent the two years since 89 in integrating the two companies. And at the time I joined Pierce Leahy, they were operating under a general manager model where the salespeople, and there were nine salespeople at the time, reported to the general manager. And Peter Pierce felt that for us to really be successful, he wanted to build a professionally managed sales organization. Hmm. So Peter brought me in to build a sales organization. As I said at the outset, we had nine people. And as history will tell or show, in 2001 when we sold to Iron Mountain, we had about 150 salespeople wow. spread across the country and, and Europe. You know, it was a very exciting time in the 90s for the records management industry. Yeah. Because it was a time everybody was talking about outsourcing and focusing on core competencies. And 
course of our, our, our systems architecture, we really developed a very powerful selling message to uh, Fortune 1000, frankly, of being able to manage their records regardless of location, you know, really turn the story away from it being a stor storage message to it being a message about managing vital records and information. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said, we were very successful in delivering that message. And so at that point in time, you had what you're saying is 150 sales staff out in the field. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a and big we, operation. Yeah, they were broken out by uh, region, and we also broke the marketplace into, you know, what we would call the elephant hunters and the market share people. So the market share people would really be responsible for banging on doors, and we looked for a relatively quick sale from them. And the elephant hunters, we felt, were going to be successful by building relationships and understanding the structure and nature of the accounts that they were responsible for. Right. We trained everybody on strategic selling as a selling model to develop an account strategy. And at the time, we relied very heavily on the spin selling model. Oh, okay, yeah. Then you said that obviously created some significant success in that environment, and then the Iron Mountain acquisition took place. Right. The Iron Mountain acquisition took place in 2001, and as often happens with an acquisition, you know, our services and my services were no longer necessary. So I uh, spent a couple of years doing some consulting uh, with my son-in-law, who had started a, a compliance management company, and also got involved in a telemarketing company and then worked for a private aviation company as a consultant and then as a full-time employee building a card membership program for them. Wow. And, um, you know, they ended up selling to their largest competitor and it was, timing was perfect because at that time we were merging or Peter was in the process of starting RetrieveX. Right. Wow. So, and then back to RetrieveX and back with the Peter and family. And obviously the last number of years since 2007 has been quite the adventure as well. Yes, it has. You know, we have been very successful from a selling point of view. Yeah. But, you know, we've also seen that the market has changed dramatically since the 1990s, where, you know, a lot of the major corporations and law firms and the typical target markets generally outsource their records. Right. So it's really a function now of not convincing people that they need to be worried about managing their records, but rather who can do a better job of managing and providing higher levels of service at a competitive price with the best system. So that, you're saying, has really become the evolution at a larger level. It's all about now defining who who can more accurately and adequately fit the needs that a client has. Yes, and, you know, part of that is to help them understand what their needs are. Right. Because, you know, I always believe that if the customer understood what their needs were, they'd be picking up the phone and calling you. The role of the salesperson is to help the customer understand, you know, what they need, even though they may not initially realize that need. Traditionally, this industry seemed to be very much built on the pick up the phone and call approach, the the sort of traditional, what we would consider cold calling or, or door knocking. How have you seen that whole thing evolve and change? Well, I think cold calling and door knocking still has a role 
But especially in your major metropolitan areas after 9-11, you just can't get into a building. Right. You know, your suburban and urban areas, suburban areas, you can still cold call. But it's given rise to identifying opportunities through telemarketing. And we're beginning to look seriously at how to use, I want to say social media, but, you know, I'm somewhat reserved on, you know, where I think social media fits in our overall marketing plan. Yeah. And we're sort of fleshing that out as we speak. Yeah. Especially in light of some of the presentations, one of which was yours. <laughs> Sorry. Prism, Sorry. Uh, Sorry to mess with people's heads. That's that's just my job. No, it, it it's a complex thing. That's, I guess, why it was interesting to ask that question, because seemingly what I learned in the business when I first got in it, you know, a lot fewer years ago than you did, but it was predominantly you pick up the phone and call people and you call and you call and you call. And that was the model. And now we're seeing this whole evolution of of social media, of web, of all of these other channels that are coming to bear on the world. And it's a much more predominantly a buyer's market, I think, than even a seller's market now, because our clients, our prospects, our target markets are pretty well informed, are they not? Yeah, I would say they are. Where I, where I think the biggest opportunity, frankly, is is in the small to mid-sized business enterprise. You know, in many cases, especially the small business, they have not yet grown to the point where they need to look for an outside records management company. Right. So I think there's a real opportunity through social media to inform the business owner and the key management of that small and the lower end of the mid-sized about the services that a records management company can provide. Hmm. And to also help educate them about, you know, this whole thing about the paperless office. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in, you know, the late 90s, Xerox was talking about the paperless office, and as we well know, it's still not here. Yeah. You lead and manage salespeople, obviously, and I don't, I don't know what the, the full size of and scope of your sales force is now, but... You come from a tradition, Xerox was noted for developing salespeople and, and had a pretty rigorous process to do that. While you take the role of sales manager or executive manager of all business development for your company, what's the important stuff that you're teaching them, that you're directing them to in today's world, the way it, it is today? What are you doing or what's kind of the focus for you? Well, I think... I think as you build a sales organization, you cannot use the mushroom theory of management, which is basically give them a book, kick them in the ass, and tell them to go out. What you really have to do is teach them. And so we focus on teaching them about the records management industry and our key selling messages and how we fit within the industry. We spend time teaching them about our selling model, which still involves strategic selling, but we're now implementing the rain, rain-making conversations approach. And I think the strategic selling model and the rain-making conversations approach really are two very nice overlays on how to conduct a sales call hmm. and how to look at an account. Frankly, the, you know, the topic of uh, my presentation at the PRISM conference yeah, so, um, so if we could just, just interrupt you for a second. Um, sure. For someone who might not understand those two terms, strategic selling in a nutshell would be considered what? Strategic selling would be an approach on how to look at an account. And it sort of takes a look at an account and says, look, within an account you have buying influences 
and you have accounts that are in various stages of, I'll call it need. Right. And so it breaks the various stages of need into four components. They're either overconfident or even keel, or they're in problem mode or trouble and growth. And then within an account, you could have buying influences, and any one of the buying influences could be at any one of those four stages. Right. And the four buying influences would typically be the user buyer, the technical buyer, the economic buyer, and the coach. And so what strategic selling tells you to do, what you want you to do, is to understand who the buying influences are within an organization and what mode or response mode they're in so that you look to find somebody and help somebody within an organization understand that they're in there is a problem with their current solution. Right. And, by the way, by using our services or the vendor services, you can help them move to a new level of satisfaction or productivity or compliance or risk mitigation or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then you said the rainmaking conversation. So how does that fit in and maybe in a nutshell, what's the rainmaking conversation? Well, the rainmaking conversation is really more the sales call. Okay. I mean, what do you do on the sales call? How do you conduct it? How do you build rapport? How do you ask questions to help you uncover and help the prospect understand that they do have a need and that there is a new reality that you can help move them to? Right. It seems to me that in a company like yours, which is acquiring other companies, that especially ones who have been self-managed, owner-operated sometimes, uh, I suspect that you uh, occasionally or sometimes uncover more haphazard sale pro- sales processes. Uh, how how do you take them and integrate that into your model? For the interest of full disclosure here, Tom, we really at Retrievex do not have a sales organization currently. Okay. Okay. We we really are selling using the general manager model. Okay. So the general managers in each one of our markets is responsible for the selling effort. Got it. Okay. And what we've done is we've gone with, to the general managers and we've trained them on strategic selling. We've trained them on uh, rainmaking conversation. And what we do is we support the general managers in their selling efforts by trying to provide them with lead generation, either through telemarketing, direct mail, and hopefully in the very near future, social media. Currently, we're using search engine optimization and Google AdWords. But as we both know, that's changing dramatically with Google's recent announcement. Yes. Yeah. Huge, huge, major changes. That obviously is a significant role that you have to play in order to keep the machine operating. Because as you said, a lot of those top those big companies are vended or are in and, you know, and you have to have those conversations, but the real work and effort is now at that mid to small size business, which is infinitely harder to find. It seems to me. Well, yeah, it's infinitely harder to find. And, you know, the general managers have a lot of other responsibilities. So, yeah. you know, they're not going to pick up the phone and they're not going to cold call yeah. or telemarket themselves. So in our model at the corporate level, we need to provide them with a lot of support so that, there is an awareness of the brand in the market and that when somebody wakes up one morning and says, you know, we need to do something about all these files that are clogging our file room or, you know, our office, 
the Retrievex is front of mind. Yeah. You've had a ton of experience, like you've said already. You've got a lot of years in this. You've been training a lot of people, and you've helped a lot of people within your organizations, both present and previously, to be effective. So I, I once heard a, I don't remember who it was, this guy was able to basically say, I think he did it on television, I can put myself down in any city, it doesn't matter where I am, give me nothing in my pocket, and very shortly I'll have something going. If I were to put you, minus your corporate background and all of the support that comes from a greater corporate company, and I was just to put you down in a city that you had no presence in, what would be the first thing you'd do to get the business going? First thing I frankly would do is I would get a good lead list, go out and buy a list of companies that are in my sweet spot, a small to mid-sized market, that have the key decision maker names within that list. That would be the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is I would look for some key memberships. You know, for example, the ALA, the Association of Legal Administrators. Right. uh, ARMA, uh, the the local chamber of commerce, and any networking opportunities that I might be able to find. Right. Those would be the first two things that I would do. Okay, so a lead list and groups that bring those more effective leads together in one place. Yeah, I think, you know, the the problem you have is, you know, if you walked into a new marketplace and you knew nothing about it, who do I call? Yeah. And you waste a lot of time going through the yellow pages, and the yellow pages isn't a good way to go today. Right. (laughs) You know, you can buy books of lists, but the book of lists is not complete. Yeah. So I find, you know, going out and buying, you know, a lead list from Hoover or Dun & Bradstreet are the best ways to find who to call. Yeah. Wow, that, that's that's really helpful advice, and I, th- I think that's uh, sometimes when you have the kind of experience you've had, those kind of initial decisions in terms of new markets would be very helpful, although you're not necessarily doing a lot of greenfield startup work at this point, are you? We've done one, two greenfields, but in both cases, we had an anchor client. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, we were able to establish a base in two of our markets as a result of existing customers. But it sounds to me like what you've already said, though, corporate, Retrievex as a corporate entity is really doing a lot of the lead generation work, and it's really then the salesperson's job, the general manager and their team, to do the consultative selling and the the rain-making stuff. But corporate's really seeing their role as being lead generation. Yeah, And, and Tom, quite frankly, you can think of, even though we've done acquisitions that had a presence in a market, in effect, it's sort of like your analogy. Yeah. We're walking into that market brand new. Right, right. Because in all too many cases, there really wasn't a selling effort taking place in that market. So, you know, we sort of follow, you know, walk to walk and talk to talk. You know, the first thing we do is we buy a list. Yeah. Okay? And then we begin to, you know, do some introductory mailings into the markets. We join the ALA. We join ARMA. We join other organizations in the market that we get the GM to now network through, and we begin to do SEO and Google AdWords in those markets. Right. And, you know, hopefully in the near future, we'll start to do some social media kinds of things. Yeah. Where, where you, you then have a much more rounded package that you're delivering in a marketplace to get your name out there, to get recognized, and to become someone that is on the list when they start looking. Yes. Yeah. So if you could go back and give yourself advice, knowing all you know today, back when you first started at Pierce Leahy, back 
you know, when you first arrived there in 89, after your office furniture adventure and your Xerox adventure, what advice would you give yourself now with all that you know today? What advice would I give myself? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, well, because, you know, you've, you've well, learned you, you, an you, awful you, lot. And if you could yeah. go back and kind of give yourself some advice to change your path going forward, what, what might be the thing that you would most advise yourself? You know, what I would say is there's a theme that we used to use at some of at our sales kickoff meetings at Pierce Leahy. Yeah. And, you know, I know there were many years where I would go out and buy a pair of running shoes, and I would put them in my closet, and I would do nothing with them, and think that the act of having wanted to do something would help me achieve the results. And it was really a matter of putting on the running shoes and going out and doing things. Hmm. So, you know, the lesson, I think, is that, you know, we all have these great ideas and ambitions, and we go to different seminars and we read different books, but it's all about doing something with it, and it's about execution. Right. Because, you know, in selling, I like to say, there's no real fairy dust in selling, but it's all about execution. It's the people that go out and do the hard work day-to-day and execute better than their competitors that end up being successful. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know whether that really answers your question, but it's sort of a philosophy that I've developed over time that it's a matter of doing as opposed to thinking. Yeah. So it's, it's as you learn things and as you have those ideas and as you have those moments when... Uh, inspiration strikes and you're reading a newspaper and you notice there's a new company in town, it's the execution of putting the running shoes on and making the connection. Yeah, go go do it. Yeah. You know, and don't be afraid of making that call. I mean, the worst that'll happen is they'll say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what does Joe Nezzy do for fun and to relax? Uh, we try to play a little golf and, you know, in answer to your previous question, I wish I had taken up golf at an earlier rate. Really? But, uh, you know, we try to play some golf, and we've got a, a house at the beach that we really enjoy, and uh, we've got five grandkids, so we love seeing them. Wow. And uh, I try to get to the gym, you know, three, four times a week. So looking back on your life or where it is right now, what's your proudest moment? I think my proudest moment would be what we achieved at Pierce Leahy. Yeah. You know, building a sales organization, you know, overcoming both the external obstacles to doing that, uh, you know, and getting the marketplace to understand what we had to offer, and also overcoming the internal obstacles of transitioning from the salespeople reporting to the GM to reporting to a central sales organization. Right. Wow, very cool. Well, I'm, I'm sure you and I could talk for hours, but we've already consumed almost 30 minutes, so... I got to say thank you. I really appreciate your perspective on things, your story. You've obviously had significant contributions in this industry, and I appreciate your willingness to share them with us and with the audience and continued success in, in what's going on at Retrievix. It sounds like there's lots of fun days ahead. Yes, there are. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Tom. Well, there you have it, Joe Nezzi. That was great. I really appreciate Joe joining us today to talk about his story, his journey, and and a lot of the cool things he learned along the way. I love his execution idea, and I think the thing that particularly stands out to me is 
is now at a, a corporate level how the corporation, as in uh, Retrievex, actually sees lead generation as their job. And I think it's one of the things I try and teach regularly and work with my clients, the clients I do consulting and coaching with. The goal is always you've got to be, as an organization, the lead generation machine on behalf of your sales team. Otherwise, with the new reality, I think out there, it's getting harder and harder for you to get in front of the people you need to do. So marketing and effective lead generation becomes the tool to do that. So I really want to thank Joe for his uh, willingness to share that with us today. Hey, I want to thank you for being here. If you've got something interesting you're doing or have a story to tell, I'd love to hear from you and have you on the show. I also, at this point, wish to thank our sponsor, O'Neill Software. You know, I keep talking to lots of people around the world and around the country and uh, in this industry and uh, time and time again the issue always comes back to what supports you what's the underlying system that makes your life work and time and time again it comes back to software and O'Neill Software has been leading the industry with software 30 years now I think they've been doing this and they've got a story to tell they've got an incredibly cool product they've got great systems they've got great team and what's even cooler is where they're going in the future. Lots of cool stuff happening, and you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. We are out of here. Have yourself a great week. We'll be back next week with another show. We'll see ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.